Good morning, y'all. Welcome to Foundry. My name is Elijah. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, and it's good to have y'all with us today. We're jumping into week two of When the Devil Knocks, which is should be a terrifying message series on the one hand because it's all the tools, all the weapons that Satan has to use against us, but it's also the tools and the weapons we have to fight back because we're not defenseless against temptation, against what Satan wants to throw at us, but we have strength, we have power through God and through what he's given us. So I'm excited to jump into those things today. But today we're going to talk about how Satan is not only the deceiver, we talked about that last week, Satan is the deceiver who plants lies in our hearts and in our minds, but he is also the ruler. Now often when I think of who's the ruler of this world, we learn from when we're young, God created the world, God's the king of the world, we learn that kind of stuff. But Jesus was pretty clear. In the Gospel of John, he says that Satan is the ruler of this world. Why is that? Satan controls the wills of so many people, the decisions we make, what we do, what we decide to become. Satan controls so many of us, and we don't realize it, though, because Satan, get this, Satan uses our pride. Satan comes in and uses our pride. Harvard did a study a while back, 195 participants, and they found out this. When you talk about yourself, there's a part of your brain that lights up. It's the same part of your brain that lights up when you eat comfort food. So like when you get like a, just a great piece of fried chicken, you know what I'm talking about, you've been there, over at grandma's house, and you just bite in to that piece of fried chicken, and just don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. And you guys acting like y'all only eat kale and stuff. You guys know what I'm talking about. And it just like floods your mouth with that just beautiful fried chicken taste. You don't even have to eat any of the actual chicken. You just eat into the breading. You know what I'm talking about? And you just feel like life is good. It lights up a part of your mind. The same part of your brain that lights up that just goes crazy when you bite into a piece of fried chicken is the same part of your brain that goes crazy when you start talking about yourself. Well, let me tell you what I did today. Oh, it just feels so good. It's literally the same part of your brain that lights up when you do a hit of cocaine. It's the pleasure, reward, motivation part of your brain. So every time you start talking about yourself, it's because you're just like, oh, that feels so good. You start shaking when you don't talk about yourself enough. You just got to talk about yourself more. And when you talk about yourself, you feel good again. And this is literally how our minds work. They've done studies on what people talk about in conversations. And they find out that you talk about, in your conversations, 60% of the time, yourself. Now, for some of us, we're like, yeah, let me tell you how much my friend next to me talks about themselves. You talk about yourself, now think about it. Two people, each talking for 60% of the conversation about themselves. That's 120% of the conversation. Literally, your conversation can't even contain the ego that's involved when you're talking with somebody else. We've got to talk about ourselves. And what this points to, there's nothing wrong with necessarily talking about yourself, but it points to this pride that's built up in all of us. We've got to be noticed. We've got to be recognized. We've got to have people know everything that's going on in our lives. And the problem with pride is every time you have pride, it opens up a door. It creates a foothold for Satan to come into our lives. So there's a story from the life of King David in the Old Testament. If you have your Bibles or have your phones, you can go to 1 Chronicles chapter 21. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 21, what's just happened is is David's king. He had to work long and hard for it, but he's finally become king of the whole nation of Israel. And God has blessed him. Israel's surrounded by all these other countries. And God has blessed King David with victory over all of these other countries. And so he keeps winning battle after battle after battle. There's one battle he wins, and it says they defeated this other king, and they got a crown that weighed one talent of gold. And I hear one talent, and I'm like, okay, it's like a little crown, a little thing you put on your head. A talent is 75 pounds. So they won this 75-pound gold crown, 
And David wasn't even there. He was chilling at his palace when his, when his soldiers won this. David takes it and puts it on his head. Now, here's my question. I'm not like, wow, that's a big crown. I'm like, how does his neck hold that up? Like, I, I put a 75 pounds and something on my head, and I'm dead. You know, it's like new king in town. But, but he says he puts it on his head. And he didn't do it. He didn't win it. But David's feeling good about life right now. He's beat everybody. He's got, he's, man, he's got the drip. He looks, he's looking good right now. It says, there, it says there was one precious stone in the middle of this 75. And I bet David would be sitting there chilling. You know, he can't actually walk around, so he's chilling like this with a crown on his head, laying down, just, just like reaching up and just cleaning that diamond or whatever it was in the middle, feeling good about life. This is what it says. First Chronicles chapter 21. Then Satan stood against Israel and incited David to number Israel. They're going to have a census. Now, now, this is weird. It's like, okay, is that the best Satan has against David? It's like, go count some people. It's like, for, you know, Satan, yeah, you guys really enjoyed that in the back. That, that back corner enjoyed that joke. Thank you. It's like you come up and you're like, hey, let me count my bank account right now, you know? For most of us, it's, what, two hands, you can count that. I got 10 bucks. It's like, is that, is that wrong? No, that's, that's not wrong to count stuff. What's going on here? Well, here's what's going on. Back in Exodus chapter 30, God says to Moses and the people of Israel, Okay, when you count the people of Israel, you need to take a half shekel, so that was like some money for each person, and give a half shekel to God as a ransom. So instead of saying, hey, look how many people we got, we got more people than anybody else, instead of that, it was saying, hey, let's, you know, here's, here's all these people that God saved, let's give back to God. And so that's how God said, so you don't, you don't become proud of what you have. But David looks around, he says, man, we've won victories, I got the best team around, we're kicking butt, we're taking numbers, we're destroying people, we're going to get a 150-pound crown next week, we're doing it, we're killing it, we got it. And so he says, let me count how many soldiers I got. I feel like I probably got more soldiers than the next guy. I probably got better equipped soldiers than the next guy, so he says, go out and count. Well, this is all about his pride. It's all about how good David is, how many soldiers he has. And so he, he goes out to do this. So verse 2, David said to Joab, who was his general, and the commanders of the army, go and number Israel from Beersheba to Dan, from north to south, and bring me a report so that I can know their number. He says, bring me back a report so I can know. Does he need this? No. Is it important that they do a census for some reason? No. He just wants to know how many dudes he's got who can kick some butt with him. That's all he cares about. And Joab, now Joab, if you read, if you read these stories, Joab is not a man of God. He's the dude you want to come in, literally he, goes, he's, he assassinates people. He assassinates people in the Bible. If you ever think the Bible is full of just a bunch of boring stories, read the Old Testament, man. It is good stuff. He's like, think about Gladiator, Massimus, Decimus, blah, 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 blah. That's Joab. He's going to kill some people, okay? That's, that's what he's about. And Joab even says, Joab said, may the Lord add to his people a hundred times as many as they are. Are they not, my Lord the King, all of them my Lord's servants? Why then should my Lord require this? Why should it be a cause of guilt for Israel? What he's saying is, look, everybody's going to do what you say. You're the top dog. Nobody's questioning that. No one's saying that, that we're not good enough. We just, we don't need to count everybody. We don't need to do this to see how good we are. And here's something important. When you have pride, it keeps you from listening to the truth from people around you. When you have pride, you cannot hear and usually can't see the truth other people are trying to speak into your life. For Joab, right, not a man of God, you notice how he talks to David? He doesn't even say David's name. He keeps saying, my Lord. It's like if, I were to, if you were to talk to me, and you're like, my pastor, my pastor this, my pastor that, talking to me. That's a little weird, okay? Like, don't do that. And it's because he, he, didn't have, he couldn't speak truthfully and honestly to David because David was so full of pride. 
But David prevailed against Joab, verse 4. So Joab departed and went throughout all Israel, came back to Jerusalem, and Joab gave the sum of the census of the people to David. In all of Israel, there were 1,100,000 men who drew the sword. And in Judah, there were 470,000 men who drew the sword. But he did not include Levi and Benjamin in the census, for the king's command was abhorrent to Joab. But God was displeased with this thing, and he struck Israel. Here's something important you need to hear today. If you are in a position of authority or power, now this, this doesn't mean you have to be in charge of a group or an organization. If you are a parent, if you are a close friend, if you, are, if you have people working under you at your job, if you are in any level of responsibility where people look to you and people care about you, have influence, which all of us do, then when you sin, it does not just affect you. It affects everyone around you and under you. So when David sins, he is the representative of Israel. It does not just affect him. It affects everyone around him. God gives him three options. He said, you've sinned against me. I'm going to give you three options. I kind of wish God would do that with me sometimes, right? It's like, hey, Elijah, do you want me to bless you with more money? Do you want me to bless you with more, like a bigger house? Or do you want to get punished? And I'd be like, oh, let's take the bigger house. Let's do that, God. But that's not the three options David gets. David gets three options. They are these. Number one, three years of famine. Boom. Number two, three months of your enemies coming and chasing you, literally chasing you with the sword is what it says. They're coming down, they're coming in, they're invading you. This is like, if, if this were to happen to us, it's like Canada were to come down and invade us, right? Like all the Mounties ride down. It's like three months of Mountie invasion, spreading maple syrup everywhere, and you're getting stuck. Right, that could have three months of that. Or three days of God sending a plague down on Israel. Now, I want to ask you really fast. I want to give you the options again, then we're going to vote, okay? We're going to do hands raised vote. Everybody's got to vote. Would you rather have three years of famine, three months of the Canadian invasion, the great Canadian invasion of 2019, or three days of God sending a plague and killing people? Okay, all in favor of three years of famine. Let's see those hands. You guys are crazy. I love, I love food way too much. I'd rather be invaded by the Mounties and be able to eat my McDonald's. Okay, so we had like five people for that. All, right, all the people who say, I want three months of the invasion... All right, but yeah, but like Canadians, what are, what are they going to do, right? Are they going to say sorry? I mean, what are they going to do? Come down here? All right, and then who here is like, just, just give me to God. Let God just do what he wants. All right, so a decent number. It's like God can't be that bad, right, when he comes in to punish. So David says this. He says, I would rather be in the hand of God than in the hand of anybody else. So God, whatever you do, do. God comes in three days, kills 70,000 people with a plague because of the pride of David. Your pride, listen to this, your pride is dangerous to you and it is lethal to other people. The pride in your life is dangerous to you and lethal to other people because Satan is going to exploit your pride to derail your spiritual life, to destroy your family, and to devour your future. Satan is going to use your pride to do this. It's the foothold he needs in your life. And the Bible talks about pride a lot. And in, in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, you guys probably know this proverb. It says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be lowly in spirit along with the impressed than to share and plunder with the proud. Now, you know who wrote that? Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. It was a guy named Solomon, who was the son of David, this king who sinned. I can just imagine Solomon as an older man sitting down to write this proverb, and he's looking back, and he remembers when dad really messed it up, when dad's pride resulted in 70,000 people dying. And he says, oh, 
Man, pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before fall. It's better to be humble with the lowly than to enjoy lots of stuff with those who are proud. It says this, Peter. Now, Peter is one of Jesus' followers, one of his 12 closest followers. And Peter, when he's an older man, writes this about pride. He says this, God opposes the proud, but shows grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand so that he can lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert. Be sober-minded because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And when Satan prowls around like a roaring lion, he is looking for someone whose pride he can exploit. So be humble before God. Cast everything on him. Give it up to God. Be humble, not proud. Because when you're proud, it gives Satan a foothold in your life. This is what C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis is a great Christian author. He said this, pride is the complete anti-God state of mind. When you have pride, it is, your state of mind is just opposite to God. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Why is this? Because Satan wants to use your pride to make you independent of God's will. Now, don't, don't miss this. This is so, so key. When Satan deceives us, he wants to make us ignorant of God's will. We learned that last week. When Satan comes in and uses our pride, he wants to make us think we are independent of God's will. I know God said that. I know other people in my life are giving me wisdom, telling me this is what God says, what he wants me to live. But I'm different. I'm a maverick, baby. Like, you can't hold this guy back. Like, all the haters got to get behind me right now because I got my hater shades on and I'm going to live my life, right? We have this whole thing where we love independent stuff in our culture. I think it's because back in 1776, we said, yo, we're not going to go with the man. We're going to be independent. And these independent colonies are going to do something different. In America, we got this independent streak. We love it. It's like, hey, what are your favorite movies? Yeah, I'm not much of like a Marvel guy or anything. I'm more of an independent movies. Like, I like small ones. You've never seen them probably. I'm like, what kind of music do I listen to? Indie music. Yeah, I just really like, like there's a band. They're, like, they're going to be created five years from now. I'm already listening to them. They don't exist yet. And they're just really good. I just, you, you, if you knew about them, you could listen to them, but you don't. So I like independent stuff, you know. We like, we like, we like being different. We're like, I'm, I'm in independent stuff. We love when people can't be controlled by the man. Like LeBron James, like, man, that, that dude is like, hey, you guys, you teams, I'm not part of your team. Your team is part of me, right? And he just, people love LeBron James. One of the biggest reasons is because he's doing his own thing. He's like, hey, I'm not just a player. I'm, I'm going to run this show. And he does. We love people who are independent. We, we want to be independent. We're like, hey, don't, don't try to tell me what to do. Don't, don't try to just, you try to tell me what to do. It's just you are keeping me from blossoming into the beautiful creature I could be. I'm independent. I'm different. Okay, that's, we got that whole mentality. And the problem with that mentality is that it makes us want to be independent from God. We do not humble ourselves well and submit to God very well. We got to be independent. We gotta be separate. We gotta be unique. And being unique is not wrong, but being independent of God's will will bring death to our lives. Pride is this it's seeking independence from God's will or trying to use God for your purposes. When you try to do that, you're gonna bring death to yourself and death to people around you. So here's what I want us to do today as we finish up here. I want us to look at two things. I want us to be able to recognize pride in our lives because pride is a slippery thing. It is hard. To, it's easy to see in you. I see it in all of you. Like, come to me afterwards. You want to wear prides in your life? I got a list. I keep it on my phone. Each of you has a separate note in my phone, your name, and then all the ways you got pride in your life. You think I'm joking? I might be. You'll have to come check afterwards and see if I am. So it's, it's easy to see it in other people. You're like, oh, that guy, he's stuck up. That person has a lot of pride going on. In ourselves, 
I'm pretty humble. I'd say I'm top seven humble for like the history, all of history. I'm, I'm pretty high up there. I'm super humble, y'all. I'm, we, we, don't see it in, we don't see it in ourselves. We see it in other people. Pride's slippery. And a lot of times we make this problem. We confuse arrogance and pride and make them the same thing. Now, arrogance is a form of pride. When someone's sticking up their nose, a little too good, a little too snooty, a little too good for you, that is a version of pride. But the problem is that is not the only version of pride. So we think if I'm not a stuck-up, arrogant jerk, I'm not full of pride. That's not true. So I want us to recognize the pride in our lives. Here's, here's some things to help us do it. Here's a question. Do you think your best advisor is yourself in life and you reject other people's wisdom? If you do, you get got a pride issue. If you reject other people's wisdom and think, I'm, I'm my best advisor, I got the best insight for my life, I can structure it. Now, you might got some, have some good ideas, but you need people around telling you some, some advice, some direction, some wisdom. And if you won't accept wisdom you got a pride issue. If you crave credit, listen to me, this is, some of us are going to hit us hard. If you crave credit for your accomplishments, you have a pride issue. Now, it's not wrong to be recognized, to say, hey, good job, man, I appreciate you. But if you just crave credit for all that you've done, you've got a pride issue. That hits some of us really hard. If your image is very important to you. In fact, if your image is more important than being real and authentic, if presenting yourself in a certain way, making sure people think really highly of you, if, if that's really important to you and it's very important to you, then you got a pride issue. you got to control how people view you. If your thoughts are focused on yourself, now for a lot of us, up to this point, you're like, yeah, I don't want credit. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good with that. But, but for a lot of us, if your thoughts are focused on yourself, whether you're alone or in groups, you have a pride issue. I'm not saying like never think about like the fact that you exist, right? You exist, that's okay. But if your thoughts are focused on yourself, so if you're at home and you're like, oh, man, I just don't have enough friends, and man, I'm just really struggling here, and me this, and I this, and this, and this. You're always thinking about yourself and focused on yourself. That's pride. Now, it it may be a version of pride where you're putting yourself down, but just because you put yourself down doesn't mean you're not full of pride. I I think often the people who put themselves down the most are the people most full of self focus. So maybe you're in a group, and instead of focusing on just loving the people in the group and just building relationships and just being there, you're thinking, oh, am, am I doing this right? Is anyone paying too much attention to me? Am I, do I look okay? Am I, am, I, am I being funny enough? Am I, am I being too funny? Am I like, I'm probably just too funny today. I'm just too on top of it. I'm just too good. Do I need to scale it back a little bit? Am I asking enough questions? Am I talking about myself enough? And you're just thinking about yourself, right? We think, oh, I can't be full of pride because I'm not in the spotlight. No, if you're focused on yourself, that's pride. It's hard to admit, but that is pride. If you are critical of others, constantly critical of others, that's pride. Time to take some of that criticism and just turn it on yourself a little bit. If you frequently, now listen to this, this is going to hit some of us. If you frequently compare yourself to others, you got a pride issue. This is how guys, guys and ladies work. And not everybody, not every guy and every lady, but in general. Guys, we tend to try to figure out where we fit on the hierarchy. This is just how guys function. If you're on a team, you know whether you're the starter or you're a bench sitter, right? You just kind of know. You figure this out. And guys tend to want to know where they fit in the hierarchy. So it could be a friend group. And you're like, you either know you're the alpha male or you know you're the beta male or some of us 
you're the omega male. And that's okay, right? You just know where you fit. And I've got, so I grew up, I grew up and just hanging out with my older brothers and their friends a lot. And so I was like way down the list, you know, and I knew it. And so you, 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 if you're way down the list, you're never like, hey, let's go do this. You nudge the guy next to you and you're like, hey, what about doing this? And you let it work its way up. The hierarchy, right? Guys really just want to know where they fit in the hierarchy. It's, it's true. It's how we work. Ladies, y'all are much more focused on everyone kind of having this equality and equal and feeling valued and loved. But I know you. Right? That's, what, that's what the studies say. But I know enough of you to know how this works. You want everyone to feel on the same page. But you still compare yourself and you know like who's really equal and who's not. It's like who's equal but a step up, you know? Who's like the, the best equal, like the, the mostest equal, like the, the high equal. You kind of get a feel for that. And we do this. We compare ourselves to others. We know where we fit. We know where others fit. And it doesn't matter if you think you fit low or you think you fit high. If you're comparing yourself frequently to people, you have a pride issue. It inhibits your ability to love people well. How about this one? If you are the owner of your will, if, if, you, just, if you just say, I'm, it, what I'm going to do is what I'm going to do. I'm in charge of my life. I'm going to make it happen. I've had to push through hard stuff. I'm, I'm going to decide what I want to do. Forget them, forget them, forget God, forget everything. If you're that way, you've got a pride issue. And look, if you're there right now, I just want to say, I understand that. I'm someone, I want to take responsibility. I want to do well. I, I want to make sure that I am leading my life and leading my family well. I want to make sure I'm doing this. I, I want to make, I just, I want to be that. I want to be that. I want to be able to own and be responsible for what's in front of me. And, and I know a lot of us are like that. But you can never be the owner of your will. If you do, then Satan's going to get a foothold. If you just always decide, here, I'm just going to do what I want to do. What you got to do is you got to give that up to God. And look, this, is, this has been my biggest battle in my relationship with God is giving my will to God. But as he's given me the grace to do that, he has transformed me. So if, if you're dealing with this, if any of these hit home, you've been able to recognize the pride in your life. It's not easy to do. It's not fun to do, but you've recognized it. So here's, here's what you got to understand now. Satan is going to exploit your pride so that he can derail your spiritual life, destroy your family, and devour your future. So if you just recognize I've got pride, Satan's going to try to use that and destroy everything good going on in your life, everything God values in your life. He's going to try to destroy it. So don't give him an inch. Don't give him an inch. That means you gotta, you got to empty yourself. you got to get rid of that pride, and you got to turn to God. Now, what's the antidote to pride? It's humility. Now, humility is not downing yourself. We've already seen that. If you just down yourself, you can be just as prideful as anybody else. Humility is not just downing yourself. Humility is understanding where you are in relationship to God, where you are in relationship to others, right? And not like they're better or I'm better. It's i got to love them. i got to love God and obey him, and i got to love other people. And I'm going to trust that he's going to do something good in my life as I do that. But a lot of us, right, we got this pride. we got this pride, this self-focus. Here's what you got to do. i got a little object illustration. So if you've fallen asleep, wake back up now. It gets fun. It gets fun again. I'm, uh, get, notice this, y'all. How cool am I? I've got a mason jar as a pitcher. I'm not mainstream. I'm unique. I'm different. Independent right here. So this is some, some good flowwood tap water. Um, studies have shown the best tap water that exists in the world. It's just, I, I drank some this morning. That was the study. So that's how most studies work. So this is good water. I mean, it tastes about like Jackson tap water, which I actually like. So I'm a fan of this. This is good stuff. I go to Madison and stuff and have the tap water there, and I'm like, oh, what is this? Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's just filtered. It's clean. No, no bacteria in it. It's like, where's the fun in that? So this is, this is what your life should be. 
it should be, you should be a cool, refresh, refreshing glass of water for everyone around you, right? And they just want to take a sip. Don't make that weird. They just want to take a sip. Mm. Okay, so th this is what you should be, right? And you're not focused on yourself. You're just giving to other people, other people being blessed by it. But what happens, I had a fire the other night, and uh, I got the ashes. Now, my ashes are so cool. They're like coals. They're like, I could probably go out and start a fire with my ashes because it's like charcoal. Isn't that cool? Anyway, so, so you, add, you add some pride to your life, okay, and you add some of this, and, and just a good bit, like, you are just, you're full of it. You are full of it, right? And so you, add, you get this. not quite as good. Wow. So, yeah. So here's the thing. I don't know if y'all can see from there very well. It's, it's very cloudy. You got the floaters up top, and you got some down at the bottom as well. I, I tried this out earlier. I tried, you think, hey, if, if I want some good water again, I can just run more water into this, right? And just eventually push all the bad stuff out. The problem is you got the sinkers down here. So I tried this out for a while today, wasted you know, probably about 70 cents of water, which is a lot of water, trying to make this happen. It wouldn't work. Because when you have an issue in your life, a pride issue in your life, you always got the stuff up top people can see. The way you stick your nose up in the air, the way you say, I don't listen to mainstream music. You know, you got the, the, the pride on the surface. You can take care of that. If you just read How to Win Friends and Influence People, you can take care of that pretty good. Take care of those big issues in your life that people can see. But then there's the root of pride in your life. The part below the surface, nobody can see. Everybody thinks that you are just the best, the greatest, so loving. But you know deep inside, you're a prideful person. All right, the pride down here is just as problematic as the pride up here. And the only way, listen to this, the only way to get rid of the pride in our life, there's two steps. The first step is to empty yourself. And this is hard. We don't do this. We'd rather deal with the stuff up top, get rid of that stuff, scrape it off the top. But you've got to empty yourself. So you've got to empty yourself of everything you are. You've got to do a little washing here, too, just a little bit. And then you're empty. Now, there's a second step. If you just empty yourself and you stay empty, it's, hey, you're nothing now. Nobody cares. Wow, there's still got some stuff in there. You've got to really empty yourself. You've got to go all in. And you empty yourself you got to be filled back up with something else. you got to be filled back with something good. And the problem is a lot of us try to empty our lives, but we never go towards the person who can really fill us up with what matters. God's word fills us up with what matters. God's word gives us life. It brings joy. It brings comfort. It brings wisdom. It will fill us back up with his will. So we're no longer independent of God's will, but we are filled with his will. The other thing that fills us back up is we need to be filled up with God's spirit we got to seek God's presence to fill us up, to change our heart and change our mind and change our will. And then you're back to being a great, refreshing glass of flowing tap water. Not nearly as gritty on the teeth as the charcoal. So there's two movements. you got to be emptied. you got to be filled back up. How, how do you get emptied? How do you empty yourself? I want to give you just a couple of ways. Now, here, here's the truth. God may give you another way. God may say, hey, this is how you need to empty yourself. You know it. Do it. I want to give you three big ways that I think will be helpful. The first is this. You need to empty yourself. You need to confess your pride to somebody else. It's probably going to be someone you have a conflict with. 
someone you've had an argument with, you haven't been able to get along. And honestly, it's not just your fault. It's their fault too. We get it. Everybody gets it. But when you go, you need to apologize. You need to say, I want to do whatever I can to make this right. And don't expect an apology in return. Hey, I'm so sorry. I, I just want us to be back in a good spot, and I'm willing to do whatever I can to make it happen. Don't say, hey, I know it's your fault too. In fact, you're the bigger jerk, and so I'm apologizing on your behalf too. No, apologize for yourself. Make it right and just say whatever I can do. Empty yourself. Now, here's, it's not going to feel good. Emptying yourself at that point, you're going to feel not great about it. You got to be filled back up with God's word, filled back up with his spirit. Here's the second thing. For some of us, there is something very specific God wants you to do. You need to empty yourself by doing his will. Maybe you need to go volunteer and serve somewhere. I mean, just pour yourself out and serve somewhere and do it without anyone noticing, without putting pictures of it up on Instagram or Facebook or just do it. Serve people in secret. For some of us, it's, it's going to be loving people that, that are hard for us to love in very tangible ways. For some of us, I really believe this. God's clear that when we give to God, when we are generous with God, he is generous back with us. I think for some of us, we have a pride issue with our money, and we need to tithe, give back to God 10% like he's asked us to, and he's going to just open up our lives. I've seen him do it in my life and other people's lives. He'll open us up. But here's, here's the key about all these things. Do it in secret. Don't do it to be seen. Do what God wants you to do and do it secretly. God's going to bless that. Here's one other thing. One more thing to think about. Empty yourself by fasting. I don't know about you. I love food. Y'all, I go for more than about two to three hours, and I just need to be sticking some more food in my mouth. Anybody else with me? I just, like, I just love food. I love food. When I fast, in fact, there's something magical about fasting. It's not like while you're fasting, you have some grand vision of your future or anything. But God says to fast. Jesus fasted. Why? Because when you fast, you're saying, I know that physically I'm dependent on food, so I'm stepping away from food, and I'm realizing that my real dependence is on God. That I'm really dependent, my really, just like I'm feeling the hunger for food, I've got a deeper need for God, so I'm going to go and seek him. When you fast, God changes your perspective because he lets you see how dependent you are on him. So this, this week... This week, if you want to fast, I want to lead whoever's interested in a fast. We'll do it Wednesday to Thursday. So we're going to eat Wednesday night, and then get this. Follow me here. Don't, nobody, nobody freak out. Not eat again until Thursday night. That is 24 hours of no food. You will be very hungry. But as you do it, empty yourself. I think for some of us, whether it's pride or something else in our lives, we need to empty ourselves and seek God. If you want to do that, mark it on your red card, and I'll, I'll follow up with you about that. So that's emptying ourselves. Then the other thing is we need to be filled up by God's word and his spirit. Let those things permeate and fill your life. I don't know if you guys have noticed our, our website has been down, church website, for a couple weeks. Somebody hacked us. Who hacked us? Like they, they couldn't get to any of the information. So if you're like, if you ever submit information, that's a totally separate thing. It's just like our website, like our puny little website of like, hey, come to Foundry. They hacked it. Why? I don't know, but they did. And I got, a we- I got an email not too long ago, and it says, your website has a new owner. And it was like, pretty boy 77218, whatever it was. <laughs> and then I got another one a week later. And I'm like, what's up? Why is everybody taking my website? Like, what, what's going on with this? But they did. That's, that's passive aggressive. That's super, like, super annoying. What a jerk. What a pride-filled, arrogant son of a gun. And they're sending me this email being like, you have a new owner now. Your website does. And so we're working on the backside to get that fixed. But here's the whole point. 
Some of us need to send an email to our pride, send a message to our pride and say, hey, there's a new owner in town. It's not me, it's God. And go to your pride and say, we're going to empty this right now. And you're gonna, everything, and he's going to push back against it. We're going to empty ourselves, and we're going to get filled back up with God, with his presence, with his will, with his word. You've got to empty yourself and be filled back up. David had that 75-pound crown. He looked good in it. Some of us are carrying around with our pride crowns. We didn't earn. They don't belong, but we're seeking them. We, our pride has, has set us up like that. And I want to give us a chance today just to unload the weight of that from you and say, you know what? I, I know I think that looks good on me, but I'm really seeking what God wants here. I, I know I've been holding that grudge with pride for a while. I really want what God wants for me. I, I know that I've been holding on to these things, but I'm going to give them up. It says in Revelation chapter 4, it's, it's a, a vision that John had of the throne room of God. And in this throne room, God is there sitting on his throne, and there are 24 elders. These would be the leaders of the people of God sitting in front of him. And it says they all began to worship God, and they took the crowns that were on their heads, and they laid them at the feet of Jesus. And I, I know we're not elders here. We're not sitting in the throne room of God, but God is present in this place. And I think some of us have recognized the pride in our lives, and we need to empty ourselves right now of that pride. We say, God, whatever point that is, or maybe you don't even know exactly where the pride is, but you sense it in yourself. God, I'm going to set that down. I'm going to lay my crown down, and I'm going to pick up the cross. I'm going to lay myself down, and I'm going to follow you. I think a lot of us are exactly there. We need to lay down. And as long as pride remains an issue in our lives, Satan's going to have a foothold to exploit it, to destroy our families, derail our spiritual lives, and devour our futures. And until we deal with that pride, we remain vulnerable to what Satan wants to do in our lives. Let's pray together today. Jesus, thank you so much for being the God who came down, who humbled yourself, became, came in the form of a servant, and died a shameful death for our sins so that we could be saved. And Jesus, right now, I know there are a lot of us who have recognized the pride in our lives and we want to be free of it. We want to fully empty ourselves and then be filled with your word, be filled with your spirit. So Father, right now, through your spirit work in our lives, Lord, convict us of the sin, convict us of the pride, convict us of that relationship where we're not willing to, to be humble and vulnerable and we're holding on to the pride. Convict us of the way we view other people, the way we're critical, the way we compare ourselves to other people. Convict us of our need to be recognized and honored and glorified for our accomplishments. Lord, give us your mind, which helps us to be humble. Lord, right now, for anyone here who's wrestling with that, I pray that you would give them the grace, Lord. The grace as they become humble. You said you oppose the proud, but you give grace to the humble. And Father, I know we need your grace today. We need your presence and power and provision in our lives. So I pray that you would come in, God. As we lay down our crowns, we take the, the heavy weights of those off our head. And as we pick up your cross and follow you, I pray that you would help us today to sense that grace as we humble ourselves. As we remain in prayer, I know there's some of us who are feeling the Spirit moving and challenging us and asking us to take a step. So if you're here today and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and exposing some pride in your life, maybe you didn't realize or maybe you knew about already, and it's challenging you to give it up, could you just slip up a hand just to show on the outside just right now that God's challenging you? We got some hands up. Anybody else say that's me? Anybody else say that's me? Good, praise God. Anybody else? All this is doing is showing on the outside what God is speaking to you on the inside. 
And right now, God's asking you to take a step. So I'm about to pray over you. And as I do, I want you to pray to God. I want you to specifically lay down the crown, lay down the pride in your life. And I want you to commit to him whatever step you're going to take to empty yourself, whatever conversation you're going to have, whatever action you're going to take. So empty yourself and then ask him to fill you. Let's pray. Jesus, for each of my brothers and sisters who raised a hand and said, God's asked me to do something. God's challenged me to do something. God's speaking to my heart. Lord, be with them right now. It will not be easy. Giving up a part of ourselves that's so deeply rooted is not easy. But Father, help us, each one of us, to do this, to empty ourselves. Lord, give them the grace, even, even the grace before they humble themselves. Give them the grace to humble themselves, to come to you, to come to others, and make right what's gone wrong. And Father, as they do that, I pray that you would fill them, that you would strengthen them, that you would bring their spiritual lives that are derailed and bring them back on track, that you would bring their, their family, that's, that's just, it's, everything's going wrong, that you'd bring that back on track, bring their finances, Lord, where they've, they've just gone their own way. As they submit those to you, bring those back on track. Bring every part of their lives, bring their future back on track so they can follow you and go deep with you. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.